Okay, we have multiple revival centers this morning. That's what's up. Yes, it's you and I. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not teaching, just it, it's better just to log in with your personal one, so you won't have to boot the host and all that stuff. It's I don't know. It's weird. So, um, okay. So let's go ahead and get started. So last week um, we um, did the um, the early epistles when we looked at. Um, uh, first and second Thessalonians and Galatians. Um, we also are, are jumping in today into the major epistles, um, which are uh, first and second Corinthians and Romans. I think I sent the email out saying Ephesians because it's just in the chronology, uh, chronology, I think it's first and second Corinthians, Ephesians, something like that. So my mind is just, it went straight to Ephesians. But it's uh, First and Second Corinthians and Romans that we are looking at today. Um, so let's um, go over some questions. Some should be easy questions <laughs> that we kind of talked about uh, these past few weeks. Um, could someone tell me <laughs> the difference between between Peter' um, approach to preaching? versus Paul's approach to preaching. Peter remained um, preaching to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. I don't know if that's what you mean by approach, but um, give me yeah, yeah, you're you're on the you're on the lane. Just give me a little bit more when it comes to Paul. Paul would, in his approach, Paul would try to become all things to them. If that makes sense. Is that where you're at with that? Uh, no. What did he, every time he went to a city, he had a kind of a certain formula that he did. He would go, Paul would go to the Jews and then uh -huh. After and that's like going into the synagogue or whatever. If I'm using the right word there, and then after that, he would then, if once they rejected him or whatnot, he would then move out to the Gentiles. Good, yeah, yep. And um, Tracy said that Peter he would just go to the Jews only, um, and then if they uh, rejected him, he'll find other Jews. Other Jews. So whereas Paul, you know, he went to the Jews and if they rejected him, he went to the Gentiles. And so, um, and so it's really important to remember um, when we're looking at Paul's approach, uh, because when you read various scholars, they always say that Peter was the apostle to the Gentiles, that he preached only to the Gentiles. And that's not true. As we see looking, just reading scripture on the surface level, we see that Paul still preached to the Jews. Not all the Jews rejected him though. There was some that received his word. And then um, every time he was in a city, it was like a mob started or this riot started with certain Jews. And because of the riot, he would go ahead and preach to the Gentiles. And so when we say um, Paul was the um, apostle to the Gentiles, it's more of a qualitative manner instead of a quantitative. Because when you look at the first century 
um, church, it was mainly made up of Jews and a handful of Gentiles. So the number of Gentiles that were converted in the first century is not greater than the number of Jews that was converted in the first century. Um, so um, because of the strict the strictness of the Jews, uh, when they worshiped, they didn't want to even be by a Gentile unless they were a proselyte. And so, um, and so if Paul is bringing in just one Gentile, he would have fulfilled the requirement of bringing, of being the apostle to the Gentiles. You see what I'm saying? So it's just like in slavery, if you have 1% black in you, then you are considered black. <laughs> so if Paul reached just one Gentile, he will fulfill the requirement of being the apostle to the Gentile. So as we continue to study and as we continue to look at history and things of that sort, we will see that the churches were overwhelmingly Jews and uh, some, some churches had, you know, more, a uh, little bit more Gentiles than the other. But when, when you look at the first century, um, Jews were the, were the uh, majority um, in the, in the uh, churches. And we see that in Paul's letters. I mean, he, he, he talks about the law and he talks about the transition from the law to, to grace. No Gentile will know anything about the law. So it would be odd for Paul to start talking about the law and you know the law is for this, you know the law is for that. And they, the Gentiles like, no, we don't know nothing about the law unless they're a proselyte. But, um, and so that's another kind of evidence that um, the, the church was majority Jews and the minority was Gentiles, okay? So I just wanted to kind of bring that to light so we can have a understanding because a lot of our books, they will say, oh, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He went to the Gentiles only and all that stuff. And that's not true. That's just reading surface level. So anybody got any questions or comments on that? Are we good with that? All right, cool beans. I just wanted to emphasize that and um, we'll continue to, to unpack that as we continue to um, look at scripture and things of that sort. So um, another question, um, what are the four divisions of the, uh, of the epistles? Is that the early books, the major books, the prison and the pastoral? Yep. Yep, that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> Trace a little slow this morning. Hold on. <laughs> you must have walked away from the, from their phone. <laughs> I had I had put my phone down and walked somewhere else, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, let me come in. That's <laughs> what <laughs> I thought. I was like, wait, she usually be jumping on by now. <laughs> Could somebody tell me what uh, what books are in the early epistles? Galatians and First and Second Thessalonians. Correct. Uh, what about the major? First and Second Corinthians and Romans. Uh huh. Uh, the prison. Ephesians, Galatians, Philemon, Titus. Mm mm. No, Colossians. Colossians. Sorry. <laughs> Duh. 
<laughs> what you're getting ready to preach in? Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the uh, in the pastoral or the personal letters. First Timothy, Titus, and Second Timothy. Correct. Correct. All right, y'all. All right. So y'all did all right with that. That's okay. funny. <laughs> So uh, today we are looking at the major epistles. So we're looking at first and second. Uh, give me one second. I told people before that um, I have to let some people in. So give me one second. Okay, sorry about that, y'all. Got kids in the house now, so I have to get them situated. Um, so, like I said, we're doing First and Second Corinthians, and we're looking at the Book of Romans. Okay, um, so could someone tell me um, what they know about uh, Corinthians before reading the the assignment for um, in the book? What do you know about the Corinthian church? They were gifted. Yes, they were highly gifted, yes. Anything else? Um, that they were dealing with, I know years ago, that they were dealing with, uh, that there were many, uh, 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 like there was false God temples for women in their general area mm -hmm. uh, that I thought was fascinating that they had to deal with in their culture. Right. Say it again. It's not. Um, <laughs> look at my book bag. It's sitting on the couch. Okay. Um, yes. They had the temple. Uh, yeah that was dedicated to, to women worship, um, Aphrodite, the Aphrodite mm -hmm. temple and Ephesus, they had Diana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was very common. Um, anybody else? I believe it was a little, um, division. Say that again. I believe it was, um, division. Yes, it was a lot of division. Yeah, going on if in the If I'm mistaken, uh, you begin to stay, because uh, it was, a, you know, I guess some people believed in this, some people believed in that, then they started to believe, like, okay, um, I guess in him, he let them know, like, if I baptize y'all, then I would get the glory. So mm -hmm. uh, if I'm mistaken, it was Paul. I was yeah, reading a little bit yesterday. Okay, okay, good. Okay, good. Yep, it was a whole lot of division going on 
Anybody else? I think it was like a major city. It was a really big place. Yes. And was it a port city? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, port city, city of Corinth. Um, yeah, it was. It was like. It was, it was a hot city. They call it, when you read scholars, they call it kind of like Las Vegas of today. It was, it was wild. And, uh, but yeah, it was a port city. So you had all types of people coming in and out of the city. Anybody else? Okay. Well, we did pretty well. That's pretty much the general um, idea of Corinth and um, the Corinthian um, church. And so let's go ahead, uh, as we've been learning, um, that if we want to know the background of the church, we go to Acts. So I hope you all understand now why they call Acts the, the history book, because this is where we get a lot of our background information um, for the epistles. This is how we get our um, information on how the church began in general. So let's go to Acts chapter 18. Let's go to Acts 18. Um, hold on. Let me see. Let me try to pull it up on the screen here so you guys can and see it. All right. And share my screen. All right, so I uh, hope you guys can see. Let me try to zoom in a little bit here. All right, so um, let's start with 18. It says, after th um, this, Paul left Athens to Corinth. So before um, Paul was in Athens, that's when he was reasoning with a lot of philosophers and using, um, and using uh, philosophy, trying to reason with them. Um, that's when they were, um, they had a kind of an altar um, that says like to the unknown God. And he was trying to explain to them um, the mighty God, the almighty God. Um, some of them were persuaded, some of them were not. And from that, from that meeting there, um, he had a few that did convert over. Um, so last week we left with um, him being in, in Thessalonians. And so he was driven out of Thessalonians, I mean, Thessalonica, um, because of what he was teaching. Um, Jason, he hid him in, in, in the house and Jason was thrown into jail. And then when, when he was uh, released from jail, they um, uh, uh, put Paul on the path to Berea. And so um, Paul, he preached in Berea for a little while. That's when they heard what Paul was saying. And then they left Paul and went back to search the scriptures to make sure that Paul, what was Paul saying was legit. And so, um, and so from there, that's when um, he was um, taken down to, uh, that's when he went down to Athens and began to talk to philosophers and things of that sort. So 
lesson 17. So you want to make sure when a scripture starts with after this, you want to make sure you know what they're talking about. So he left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila and a, na a native of Pontus recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Does anybody know um, why the Jews had to leave Rome? Is it because of major persecution? Yeah, it was. It was. It was um, persecution. Um, did, does anybody know what led to the persecution? Though this is. Oh, see, I'm about to mix. Was my... it Nero? Uh, one Nero. Nero wasn't on scene yet. So this wait is this the time when they were blaming them for stuff they were like setting them up to look like they were the, the christians were doing stuff yeah the christians they were they, they said they, that they were starting stuff they had this whole the whole fiasco with the messiah and um and uh because of this whole messiah dealing because you know rome is a city of peace they don't want no drama they don't like all that stuff and so when they saw that these christians were um, going back and forth with persecution within within each other and um, all this stuff. That's when Claudius told them they had to leave. Ah. Um, and so that's why um, the Jews had to leave Rome. Okay, um, let's see here. Let's see in verse two. See, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews in Greek. As you see, Paul, he worked in every city <laughs> that he went to um, because of the accusations of Paul. They, they, told, they told him that they were, he was stealing money and he was one of these jackleg preachers out here and um, he can't be trusted and things of that sort. Um, he's taking your money, but in every city that we've read so far, Paul got some type of job. And so he was a tent maker and he worked with Aquila and Priscilla. Okay. So when Silas, verse five, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Um, and when they opposed and revived, reviled him, he shook off his garments and said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Okay. So um, in verse five, when Paul and Silas arrived from Macedonia, Paul sent Paul and Silas back to Thessalonica and to explain and try to edify and encourage them because Paul left so swiftly um, in the middle of the night. And so that's what that's what caused all of the confusion and the accusations against Paul that he didn't even say bye. He just left. And so Paul, uh, Silas and Timothy had to go back and um, reassure them that Paul, you know, is not this way. It was a situation that occurred and he had to leave swiftly and things of that sort. So um, and so when when Paul, I mean, when Silas and Timothy got back to um, Paul, uh, that's when Paul started to write First Thessalonians while he was in Corinth. OK. Um, and so let's see here. Verse seven. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. 
that means he was a God fearer. Um, his house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, who was um, God fearer, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul believed, uh, hearing Paul believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night vision, "Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I." with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in the city who are my people and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them so as we see he was in the city of Corinth for uh, 18 months and so he uh, spent a lot of time with them so um, so he knew he knew Corinth um, pretty well and so what what um, caused him to, um, what caused Paul to write um, Corinthians is that the church was founded um, in 50, about 50, 51 AD. He wrote to Corinth about five years later because he heard there was some, I mean, it was being reported to Paul, like, yo, there was some craziness going on in the Corinthian church. You're gonna have to get them together. Uh, you know, that scripture, um, that it was reported to me um, that it was um, a lot of disturbance going on, okay? And so from Chloe's house, uh, there was a lot of disturbance going on. And so that was getting back to Paul. And so five years later, after he left um, Corinth, they still wasn't mature. They still weren't, wasn't further along um, that Paul think, thought they should, should have been. And, that what, and that's what prompted for for Paul to write okay any questions or comments about that before I hop in I thought it was interesting when um Paul um on his uh you know after after the after the Lord has spoke to Ananias mm -hmm. concerning the uh assignment of Paul and who <clears throat> as an instrument of the Lord who he had chose Paul for and chose the work that he uh, chose Paul to go do mm -hmm. I, thought, I find it very interesting and even here because he first tried to change the hearts of his people first who yeah. rejected the message but I, I, it's just blessing me right here when he just when he went to um, uh, when he said from now on meaning that he started out trying to uh, bring the message to all people if you will but mm -hmm. when they reject, he said, from now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. But then down here at seven, it shows that uh, he went to the home of Titius Justice. I may not be pronouncing it right, but uh, the New Living said he's a Gentile who worshiped God and mm -hmm. lived next door to the synagogue. So it just blesses me how, how the Lord himself. Uh, uh, at, at the at the on site on the on the on the road of Damascus or in Damascus or however that is termed how he uh, had an Ananias too even though Ananias was afraid uh, because of the uh, the history of Paul of killing the Christians or you know um, but how the Lord had, had had said he is my chosen instrument and not just for the Jews only but for the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, and we, and now we can see the process of how the Jews were brought in. You know, we read last week about the decree at Jerusalem, 
that now the Jew, the Gentiles, they didn't have to be circumcised to come in. They could just believe by faith alone. And so that is there. That is a blessing. And we saw it in, what was it? Um, the Galatian church, when he was talking to the Jews, he said the same thing, like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to the Gentiles for now on. He said it like in all, in all the cities. So he made sure to go to his, you know, brethren first, but unlike Peter, who didn't go to the Gentiles, Paul did. And so, yeah, it's a it's a blessing to see um, the folding in of the Gentiles to God's plan of salvation. Yeah, it's a it's a blessing. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and hop into um, the book. I don't know what page number, but it's the section on First Corinthians, electronic book. So. If someone can tell me what page it is on in the paper book. Mine is 190. Uh, 190. Okay. 190. Mm -hmm. So page 190 um, in your book, um, Introduction to First Corinthians. Um, so let's see here. This, let's go to the slide first. Um, so the letter was written from Ephesus. During the third missionary journey of Paul, the date of the writing was a probably late 54 or early 55. Information had come to, a to the apostle for se from several sources concerning serious problems. Paul's purpose was twofold, first to deal with the severe problems and second to answer the questions from the church, okay? So um, like I said, let me go to this chart here so you can see the, the timeline. Um, and so Paul, he found he was in Corinth in 51. So when you're looking at this chart, the blue is where he is. The black is what he wrote. Okay. So right now he was in Corinth in 51. That's when he wrote first and second Thessalonians because they had issues that he needed to sort out concerning the day of the Lord and things of that sort. So he was in Corinth. Um, he got to Ephesus in 56 AD, and that's when he wrote Corinth. So about five to six years later, he wrote to um, the Corinthian church. So it was a lot of stirring up. There was a lot of things going on and Paul had to sort it out. And we talked about last week that first Corinthians is not necessarily the first letter that Paul wrote um, to the Corinthian church. There was some hints within the letter because he says in, um, in one verse that I written to you before. <laughs> and so that's proof right there that first Corinthians is not necessarily first Corinthians. And um, with his other letters, he had a certain format to his letters and Corinth the Corinthian letter did not fit that format. Um, does anybody remember the format of the epistle, how he usually writes his letters? Like first is the greeting. Greeting. He always say, "I Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ." Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, that's part of his greeting. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Then the next section that he goes into, what's that section called? It ain't the prologue, is it? Here it is. I'll put it up for y'all. Here you go. Oh. So first part here is the greeting. 
He always go into the doctrinal section. He, uh, for, for the letter of Galatians and Thessalonians, he talked about justification and sanctification, things of that sort. Then he does, he does practical application and then he gives his, his closing greetings, things of that sort. But with this letter to Corinth, he did his greeting and then he, he started hitting hard uh with the with the corinthian uh church and so here it is in, in verse in verse 10 after he does his nice greetings and things of that sort he said i appeal to you brothers by the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree that there be no division among you that's what tanya said there was some division going on but uh that you'll be united um in the same mind um, in the same judgment, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. <laughs> and so here it is. He's like, okay, uh, I greeted y'all, but now let's let's get to the the gritty uh, of of what is going on. And so, uh, like like uh, Wayman said, uh, the Corinthian church was gifted. They were very gifted. They were highly gifted. And Paul knew this because he spent time with them for 18 months. And um, but because they're gifted does not equate to maturity. And you when you read into this letter, that was one thing that they were missing. They were missing spiritual fruit. They were missing maturity. And Paul um, had to uh, address a lot of issues that were probably in the previous letter that they had issues with. He addressed them in this letter. So this, this letter is filled with a plethora of uh, topics, um, a whole lot of topics. And uh, one thing that we have to learn about this letter is that it's written in a corrective mode. And so he, he's, he's doing teaching, but he's doing it in a corrective mode. And so that's one thing that we have to really keep in mind when looking at the uh, the book of Corinthians, that he's in a corrective mode here, okay? So um, let's see here. Let's go to the next slide here. So of course, this is kind of a summary. Um, he was responding to reports. He was answering questions. He was in Ephesus when he wrote it. It was about 56, 55, 56 AD. Of course, Paul wrote it. Um, and here's a, a list of the debates and, and things of that sort. So let's go here. Um, see what he was talking about. Um, in your book, it gives you a, a good outline of, of what um, Paul was talking about um, in his letters um, that he talked about division. He talks about the sins of the church. He talks about the problems of the church. And then he gives the, the conclusion. And so in the book, it gives you more details they, I mean, the church, uh, the Corinthian church, they were suing one another. They were taking people to court. It was a lot of sexual immorality going on. People, uh, the son sleeping with the stepmom and all that stuff. And uh, so he talked about the matter of marriage, um, the matter of doubtful things, see the matter of worship and the matter of resurrection. So there was, as you see, Paul had a lot, a lot to write to the Corinthian church. And uh, so one thing um, in order to understand the Corinthian letter, you must, you must understand background, historical background in order to understand why Paul answered the question in the way that he did, okay? Um, because there's so many different topics and the way that he approached it, 
is kind of different. So you must understand why he approached it in that, in that manner before we're able to do the application part. Okay. I believe it was you. It could have been pastor, but one of y'all, I thought it was you, uh, said that they were jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably both of us. Sound like some both of us would say, yeah, they, they, were, <laughs> they were really jacked up. Like, these folks were childish. They were childish in a little hood because when we see in the second letter, they kept challenging Paul. Like, when you in front of us, you the soft talker, but when you away, you I like you being bad in your letters. Like, and Paul had to be like, I'm coming for y'all. And so, uh, and so Paul had to visit Corinth twice. Uh, he didn't really do that with his other churches and things of that sort. He kind of sent, you know, uh, Silas and Timothy. Uh, but when it came to Corinthian church, he had to stand toe to toe to them. So yeah, they were, they were jacked up. There was a little hood. They were immature. And so, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of issues that, uh, the Corinthian, uh, church was dealing with. Okay. And, uh, and so, like I said, they were dealing with immorality, um, they were dealing with idolatry and disunity. And what caused this is that there wasn't any um, unity amongst leadership. You had the people being divided. I'm of Apollos and I'm of Paul and things of that sort. Um, their doctrine wasn't as solid as you see because they kept asking Paul questions. And so, um, and so they were divided in doctrine. And they, of course, they were divided in spirituality. Um, some of them were mature and some and majority of them were not mature. And so those are the things that um, that Paul had to address in the letter. OK. Um, and so Paul's pattern uh, when he went to the cities is that he established elders in the city. So apparently there was some division going on. The, actually, it was division because when we um, when you read the letter, um, they were saying, you know, the elders that you sit here, you know, they, they, um, perform signs and, and miracles and things of that sort. And Paul, you ain't do none of that when you were here. And so they started questioning his, uh, apostleship. They started a question, uh, questioning who he was. And that's when Paul had to go into, you know, I had a vision, uh, one time I didn't know I was in the first, second or third heaven. You know, he had to shut them down with that or whatnot. So, um, yeah, the Corinthian church is, is filled with, with a lot, um, uh, internal persecution with, with one another. They had problems of growing, of growth. They were at least five to six years old and they were still childish. And Paul was like, no, that's not right. Yo, still, <laughs> still, still, they got all this about them. They so gifted and got all this good and still ain't doing nothing. Yep, yep. So don't y'all be hyped when people are so quote unquote gifted. I'm telling you, don't let that gift fool you. As we've been, well, as we've been seeing in today's world. Listen, all that gift and still can see. Yeah, yeah. We see those who are so gifted in prophecy and things of that sort. And they're immature immature how to talk to one another and they don't know how to deal with issues but we hold them up on you know on a pedestal we think they are so mature and they're not and it they're will make you when you see that because you expect maturity 
Right. You know, it's just that first instinct is like, oh, okay, you know, this person is this great bishop or this great, you know, whatever. And you expect maturity. So when they do something, you you almost second guess yourself, like, oh, maybe, maybe I didn't, I missed something. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's gotta be maturity right here. Do you realize, like, no, no, that's still immaturity, bro. It's still yeah. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> is that the sermon for today? Huh? That was last week. I said preach. Is that the sermon for today? <laughs> oh, I think he preached on Corinth last week. I did. Oh, I'm in Second Corinthians today. So we're moving forward. Uh, oh, we're moving and we're moving on. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that also shows us no matter what the gift is, there's immaturity. Yeah. Um, no matter how it may be look in the natural or when it is presented it's not even the gift as it is the life of the individual and how we walk and how we live according to the word of god but i wanted to ask you uh and looking at the corinthians uh in corinth uh uh can you what type of people are these the ethnic are, are these all gentiles or there's a mixture or what type of people are are, are the corinthians Yep, that's a good question. I was about to um, hop into that. Yes, the Corinthian church was a mixture of that. And um, the book, and under special considerations, um, under the city of Corinth, the third paragraph, um, let me read that part there, because um, then you'll see kind of the influence of the church. So the third paragraph, under the city of Corinth, under special considerations, it says Corinth was known as the prosperous but corrupt city. To live like a Corinthian became synonymous with life of luxury and licentiousness. Um, the city was known throughout Roman world for its vice and immorality. One of the major influence of that degenerate moral climate was the degrading worship of the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Her temple was located on the top of Acrocorinthus, the high Corinth on the rock plateau rising perpendicularly 1800 feet above the city of Corinth. This temple housed about 1000 prostitutes who were there to aid the worship of Aphrodite. Many other temples were found in the city and these simply added to its moral corruption. It is not surprising therefore that the church of Corinth had major problems with immorality. It is also interesting to note that Paul wrote his letters to Romans from Corinth a letter in which he discussed the terrible depravity of men. So a lot of their um, people, they were um, converts from this temple. (laughs) And so because leadership was weak, because they were divided on doctrine, they, they were bringing in what they've learned in this type of worship, trying to bring it into the church. There was no teaching. There was no transformation power going on um, in this church here. And so that's why Paul had to say to the women, tell the women to be quiet and stop teaching. This is why, because they had women coming from Aphrodite's temple and tried to tell them what to do. See, when you learn that background there, we're able to understand what Paul meant about telling women to be quiet. And so, yeah, the Corinthian church was a mixture because like what Tammy said, uh, it was a port city. So therefore they had all types of people going in and out, 
Some people stay in Corinth for months because they're doing some dealings and things of that sort. So Corinth was a big church and it was filled with many types of people. Yeah. So you had the Jews and you had Gentiles as well. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we see this today in our churches. If you look at the city, the type of city it is, and then you uh -huh. end up seeing these issues among the church, you will see it there because they're dealing with people who coming in off their whatever their lifestyle is in that you know city or whatnot and then we're trying to hit this gospel and then all of a sudden you know people start failing and we start having issues and in most cases you could tie it to the very thing that the city is struggling with yeah yeah like all cincinnati churches are, are weird <laughs> all, all they're all the same man it's so interesting i'd be like wow <laughs> say that yeah, because Cincinnati is weird <laughs> yeah but then if you go to chicago like they're all their churches are the same you know it's all got this same something about it yeah yeah it's just like interesting so yeah so to learn about a city and i'm saying this to anybody that be, be out here trying to say i'm called to a city you better because i've had many people inbox me to my i'm called to cincinnati i'm like man you better get to know this city first you better get to know it so that you can understand what you're dealing with and what you're up against <laughs> you're right no one is called to cincinnati let me tell you that <laughs> preach preach <laughs> cincinnati uh, is here it is hard to penetrate cincinnati <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> i remember one preacher he was coming from oh what city was he coming from somewhere on the west coast i think and he, he said, you know, he visits Cincinnati and he told him that the Lord told tell him to buy. I mean, y'all remember that old showcase in Bond Hill? He was in the works of trying to buy that old showcase and turn it to a church because he'd been called to Cincinnati. He didn't make it the first day, yo. He was out of there. I'm just like, I looked at him, I said, dude, you are not called to Cincinnati. He was just like, I just, I think the Lord told me to go to somewhere. You know how people say, I think the Lord telling me to go somewhere, you know, all that, all that whackness, but yeah. So it's just, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the emphasis is always on the gifts, but gifts come without repentance, but it's the fruit that has to be examined. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah and when and when the scripture says gifts come without repentance and meaning meaning that god doesn't repent for giving the gift right yeah yeah and so and so because he he knows exactly um our proclivities he knows who we are and things of that sort so we have to we have to grow into that thing um we have to really uh mature and that's why it's so important um to understand like when you're first saved you 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 are giving your gifts but you must submit yourself under some teaching and learning and growing so they're you're able to understand your gifts and able to deploy your gifts um and so if you're not in an environment that's that's not teaching the word and not helping you out then you will be mature, immature you got the the gift of uh, uh you know these type of gifts that are available you got this but you're not able to to operate the way that god wants us to operate because we're not mature you know what i'm saying or we don't have the teaching to do it so yeah yep um when it talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 um we have to keep in mind that he's coming 
in a corrective mode. So he's talking about a lot of um, permanent gifts and temporary gifts and things of that sort. And he's trying to sort all this stuff out. That's why he kind of lists the, the list of gifts twice and things of that sort, because he's in a corrective mode. And when you ask somebody today, like where is spiritual gifts listed? They will always say 1 Corinthians 12. But there's so many other places in scripture where the list is given. There's a list in Romans. There's a list in Ephesians. There's a list in Peter and things of that sort. So we have to make sure that um, we don't hold to Corinthians as our sole teaching for spiritual gifts. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing that Paul was doing too. He was correcting um, the issues with spiritual gifts. So any other questions with this book? I'm trying to see anything else I needed to pull out. with the first Corinthians, but I think we kind of get the idea of what the, what this letter was about, about their immaturity, it's about them, uh, sanctification and things of that sort. Um, we're good. All right. So let's go to second Corinthians. Now I love second Corinthians. This is probably my favorite epistle. And people don't really teach from, people don't really talk about 2 Corinthians for real, for real. But it's a really, really good letter. And I took a class, I think last year on the book of Corinthians. And I paid so much attention to the second book because it was just so, it was so many nuggets. It was so, you see Paul in his, in his um, very, um, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word that I want to use, but he was, he was very vulnerable and his, um, you see him in his very vulnerable state because, um, when he sent the letter to Corinth three, you know, and he, um, uh, sent the letter to Corinth and then he sent, I think it was uh, Titus to Corinth to check up on them. And he came back and now they're like, okay, uh, Titus said, you know, um, so far, things are looking good for the Corinthian church, but there's still a, a minority of people that still have beef with you, Paul. And so Paul had to straighten that out. So that's kind of the reason for Second, uh, Second Corinthians. So this epistle is very, it's a personal epistle. It's a very defensive um, epistle. And, um, and so this is something to really, really keep in mind here when looking at this book, okay? So let's go to the slide here. Second Corinthians was probably written shortly after First Corinthians, perhaps in AD 55 or 56. It was written from Macedonia where Paul had gone seeking Titus, his coworker. Paul wrote Second Corinthians to reinforce his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. It was absolutely necessary for him to do this in order to preserve the health of the church. So he didn't do it to to make sure that, you know, to to fix my credibility with y'all on a personal level. But it was more about um, if y'all out here slandering and bashing me, this will affect the growth of the church in general. Because word will travel around the cities like if this Paul comes to y'all city trying to start a church, don't believe him. He a fake, he a clown, all this stuff. So he had to really defend his apostleship um, in this book. And he does the same thing in the first letter of Corinthians in chapter four. He defends um, his apostleship as well. So he, he's doing it again in second uh, Corinthians. OK, so let's go to um, in the book. 
under purpose and basic outline for, let me see here. Second Corinthians, let's go to purpose of Corinthians. Uh, I'm not sure what page, someone holler out what page that is on. 200. 200, thank you. So page 200, the purpose of second Corinthians. So as trouble continued to fester in the Corinthian church, um, Paul sent his capable associates Titus to Corinth to deal with the situation. Later, Paul himself left Ephesus and traveled to Troas, where opportunity was favored for him to minister. However, Paul was so deeply concerned about the conditions of Corinth and was so very anxious to hear from Titus that he journeyed to Macedonia, hoping to meet Titus there. Finally, Titus did arrive from Macedonia and reported the things at Corinth were generally positive, but he told Paul that there was still an aggressive minority opposed to Paul. Paul therefore wrote 2 Corinthians to reinforce his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. It was absolutely necessary for him to do this in order to preserve the health of the church. He also wrote to give thanks for favorable response towards him and his ministry and was now being exhibited by the majority. Furthermore, he felt he needed to remind them about giving to the poor saints of Judea and instruct them on the proper attitude towards one another who repents. And so, you know, it was getting better. Three months later, later it was getting better, but he still had a little issues that he had to, to clear up with the Corinthian church here. Okay. So um, the second Corinthians, this is a lesson, uh, I believe, for leaders. This is a lesson for disciples. Um, and those who, you know, just minister, period, of course, which is disciples. Um, even when, when it's a personal matter, um, it's not really personal, okay? Um, Paul's concern is really not for him personally, but only to the, the degree to which he is being used by the Lord to establish the church, okay? The great deal foundation that the Lord had trusted him with, of course, Satan is going to come in and try to discredit. That's that's just what Satan does. You know, he will constantly try to undermine by attacking the way he lives and uh, in his uh, holy and righteous living. He will he will attack that. He will attack the effectiveness of ministry. Um, so um, as we are going now, as we are are growing in the Lord, as we're coming becoming mature disciples, we must be able to live. We must be able to live above reproach, okay? And we must constantly examine our lives, okay? Um, we must not fall into the temptation of, you know, just saying, you know, my life is personal and y'all ain't got to know what I'm doing and things of that sort. Your life is constantly on display, okay, as a disciple. If you know it or not, you'd be surprised what people know about you. And you don't even know the person. You'd be like, how do you know that? Because they're constantly watching you. So your life is on display. And so because of that, you want to be able to live a life that's credible, that is credible to your teaching, okay? So if you're out here going live on Facebook and you're out here posting these posts, but yeah, you live in this opposite life, they're going to be like, oh no, she just fronting on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? So uh, we have to make sure that we're living above reproach, okay? That when someone comes to you with drama, uh, say some, say someone comes to me about drama about Tanya, and they're like, you know, she this, she that. And I'm looking at like, no, nah, not the Tanya I know. Like, you must, you want to live a life like that when people are coming to you with accusations. They're like, no, nah, not her. 
Like you must be talking about another time. You're not, 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 not this one. Okay. You don't want to live a life. Be like, when they come to you with accusations, you'd be like, yeah, I ain't surprised. <laughs> you don't want to live a life like that. Like, yeah, I ain't surprised. What else you do? I know it. Matter of fact, let me tell you what else you did. You don't want to live a life like that. You don't want to hurt the credibility of the ministry. Okay. Of what we're doing of the gospel, you know, things of that sort. So um, one thing that the Corinthian church was missing, though, they were missing love. They came for Paul and they offered no grace to him. They, they said, uh, Paul said in his letter that he was coming to visit them again, but he hadn't shown up because there was some things going on in Ephesus and Macedonia. And they called him out about it. It was like, Paul, you said you was going to come and you ain't come and things of that sort. Instead of understanding like, okay, there was some situations that went on with Paul. We, we know Paul for at least a year and a half. We uh, learned him in person and we are on year six. That's not really like Paul, things of that sort. They didn't show any love. And the love, as we've been saying for the last few months, love is a measurement of maturity. It is, it is a tool of measurement for maturity. And um, so we are called, you know, to love one another. We are called to, to help one another out and to show grace because we're all growing. We're all being transformed and things of that sort. So when you're reading this letter, you will hear Paul's heart. He talks about the woes of being an apostle. He talks about the woes of carrying out the gospel. He said, y'all don't understand. I'm going out here preaching this Christ and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. You don't get it. And so he's like, he's really pouring his heart. So that's why I really love this book. This is a, a really good book for leaders. And like, if I was ever teaching a leadership class, I would use the book of Second Corinthians because it has so many good tools and so many good nuggets for leadership on how to deal with strife within one another, how to deal with strife from the world, how to handle certain issues and how to give grace to those who are growing. I understand now bearing the, the firmities of the weak. I understand it because sometimes a, a young disciple won't understand certain things. And so you have to just take the blow sometimes, you know, or uh, wait for the opportune time to teach, you know. And so um, as we are growing and, and as people are um, coming into the ministry, we must be able to show grace towards one another. And so, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, what Second Corinthians was about. Um, it was a lot of turmoil. It was a lot of issues going on. Let me see here. Um, oh, here's, here's when um, they were fronting Paul about how when, when he's away, um, when, he's, when, when um, Paul is in front of them, he's very quiet and timid and humble. But when Paul is away, he act like he's being bad. And Paul's like, look, I don't want to have to come to you like this. I don't want to have to keep um, talking to y'all like this. Um, so, uh, so you see here in chapter five, when he's, when he's talking about it, things of that sort, um, let's see here, what else in this letter? And then here's the outline for the second Corinthians. Of course, he's talking about the divisions, the sins, the problems of the church and things of that sort. So any, any questions about second Corinthians? I have a question and it, and it made you, and this, uh, this is just dealing with the man himself, Paul, and you mm -hmm. may or not can answer. Uh, I don't know, because I don't know how far you may have studied the person. And mm -hmm. so, but I, I just want, um, I have not studied him as deeply 
Uh, so uh, uh, concerning Paul, is it true? Is it true or is there any evidence in writing or in history or any study concerning Paul the man? Is it true that Paul suffered from depression? They, yeah, I think I've read some, some commentary, things of that sort. Um, I mean, he probably didn't, you know, stay in depression, but it probably hit him sometimes. Right. Just, just in, in general, just dealing with churches and dealing with uh, mobs and angry people and dealing with being thrown in jail. He probably did deal with a little hint of depression. I wouldn't be surprised. Because I know that even, like you said, all of the attacks uh, mm -hmm. that he received from the outside that tried to undermine the ministry mm -hmm. and to throw over everything that, you know, tried to disrupt the foundation that he was laying. Yeah. So I, uh, I just wanted to know that you find anywhere, anywhere in your study to, because uh, yes, it is sad, but then how much truth to that? You know, we right. all can go through a, a, a phase of uh, concern, but not necessarily depression. We can also, you know, mm -hmm. go through these phases of combating with someone that's trying to, you know what I'm saying, disrupt and overthrow, but not necessarily depression. So I just wanted to know, was this a factual did he suffer with depression or maybe there's just something someone may have, have uh, uh, analyzed uh, based on their own opinion about it? Yeah, I think it was just based on their own opinion, trying to put things together. Because when I read 2 Corinthians for the first time, you can tell that Paul was hitting a low place. Mm -hmm. And I right. Yeah, so right here, I believe that you can see the the fight that he, you know, had to deal with. I think, yeah, second Corinthians is like his low point, I believe, versus his other letters. His other letters had the same pattern, things of that sort, but with, with, um, with this book here, it's a whole different feel. You can feel what Paul is going through in this letter. Right. So he probably just somebody just come to a conclusion of, you know, reading things of that sort. They figured that he was dealing with depression, but I believe here he was he was at a low point. He was really yeah, at a I, I put it on the shelf. And even though I've seen it a few times, I just set it on the shelf. I didn't want to dismiss yeah. it. But I set it on the shelf because, look, I said, wow, it's not far-fetched to believe that being what he had to succumb to and deal with. And you said on his lowest point, in a lot of areas that when he's trying to do a work that Lord calling to, and it takes us to the, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know, the man was struggling with a lot, trying to deal with people and situations, right. circumstances. So, but I just wanted to know, was there any evidence? Um, uh, did you know of any evidence? But like you say, you know, we can, again, based on what was going on, we can conclude that. However, yeah. I, didn't, I just put it on the shelf because I didn't want to even allow that into my, Right. Uh, understanding or my belief system, if you will, until I had I had much more proof on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So a lot of these conclusions that these scholars come up with are a lot of inferences. They're just putting things together, you know, of looking at the tone of the letter. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. Uh, may I ask a question? Do, uh, Mother Eva, could you tell from the places that you read that what the purpose was of somebody bringing that out? Well, um, it, it, that was just through, you know, these people, the books, these are years ago, over time. But where I've read it is the people analyzing the life of, of the life of Paul. And, uh, uh, um, 
And so that's, you know, again, like she says, commentary, people who have read and studied the life of Paul and uh, those dissecting when uh, he asked the father to remove this thorn, when people try to get into well, what was the thorn. Uh, uh, and when God said, my grace is sufficient for thee, is that, you know, that that uh, uh, this was times of his life going through the ups and downs, the woes of trying to do what he's called to do, but encountering people on various levels letters to destroy him or even sometimes feeling he didn't have the support sometimes maybe feeling that God was not uh, the Lord was not responding to him and things he had to encounter shipwreck uh, bitten by a snake you you know how you just go through the woes of life so it's yeah. just for analyzing uh, a power generally as a man coming being a Jewish a high priest someone who was very reckon you know recognized as 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 a pedigree of his culture, if you will. So it's just, it is, it's just basically people just analyzing him and, and analyzing him as the man, as well as the calling on his life. Mm-hmm. Not only are they analyzing, it seems like they are, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are, uh, what's it called? When they tell you what your condition is. Uh, diagnosing. They, it seemed like they're diagnosing him as well. And, and, and it's crazy because in Cincinnati, you hear a lot, of, and I'm just talking about our city because this is where I listen to a lot of preaching um, and teaching or whatever, but we, you hear that a lot, even in the teaching and preaching here. They, you will see them trying to diagnose Jesus. Oh, Jesus had this when he was at this moment, he was diagnosed and then they, now they done built a whole sermon around Jesus having such a supposedomana and you like, oh, okay, like, wow, Jesus really had, you know what I mean? Because they're trying to, trying to bring this diagnosis, like, that's not far-fetched, but I'm like mother too, like, ooh, I hear you, but I don't know if I'm going to just put that into my doctrinal belief at this point. Right. Yeah. They're just trying to contextualize, trying to make it relevant for us, but you're missing the to- the whole point of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say, you know what I'm saying? So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never got any conviction on it, if you will. You know what I mean? And that's why I was asking you, because I know that through, through your college and the things that you go deeper in your, you know, study the history aspect of a thing. And so um, even though I, I, I even there's certain things I can listen to a teacher, I can hear and I'll put it on the shelf. If I don't mm-hmm. feel no conviction about it, and if it doesn't, right. wait a minute. I, I don't dismiss it because it doesn't mean it's not true, but just right now. Right. <laughs> so that's why I was just asking you so I can uh, go ahead and not only, uh, uh, well, I'll leave it on the shelf, but I just wanted your perspective. <laughs> what did you get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was a- asking the question because I was wondering if beneath that diagnosis you were hearing mother whether the people you could tell whether there was any attempt to discredit any aspect of his mm-hmm. his ministry by saying oh he was depressed no yeah. no no this was all positive this was all the everything i read uh concerning paul it, it was it was all positive and i and a lot of you know because oh, I don't read a ton of books, but a lot of uh, uh, dealing with on the gifts and, you know, uh, people tend to think that, you know, people don't go through things that, you know, we this big uh, 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 machine where no one suffers with depression, no one goes through nothing. And if you do go through this, then Jesus must not be in your life. So it's a, it's a variety of things. And if nothing was negative against him, it was nothing negative against the ministry, but trying to explain the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah um yeah so i mean i mean we're promised tribulation though <laughs> so this is just tribulation that paul is is dealing with and uh seeing his response to it is is interesting in the, in that case you know and so um yeah we can go all day talking about what people say about paul and things of that sort and tracy brought up a really good point that a lot of commentaries will bring up issues like that to try to discredit paul and things so we have to be mindful of that too when we're reading things of that sort so thankful for the holy spirit he's able to sort these things out in, inside of us and like you said you didn't get no conviction on it you just put it on the shelf you know what i'm saying my shelf is filled with a bunch of teachers so i i, I totally get it so yep yeah good um let's see here it's 10 38 i want to just do romans real quick and then uh, we'll be done with uh, with the uh, major epistles, okay? Um, so any questions for and uh, comments about Second Corinthians before I leave? Um, also, in here in Corinthians, you'll you'll see Paul teaching about giving as well. Um, it's totally different from tithing. Tithing is was for the Jews, and it ended when the temple was destroyed. And so Paul gives what giving looks like for the church and things of that sort. So you might want to kind of look at that as well. So um, let's, I just threw that bomb out there. So let me just move it on. And we're moving on. Let's go to Romans. <laughs> so, um, so we're not going to be able to read background information in the book of Acts on Romans because Paul did not find Romans. He did not establish the Roman church. Okay. So Romans was written from Corinth on the third missionary journey. Paul spent about three months in Corinth at the end of his third journey. This will have placed the writing of the letter about 56 AD. Twice in the letter of the apostle, uh, the apostle gives a reason for writing um, Romans, okay? So, um, so here in Romans chapter one, it says, first, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit um, in the gospel of the son that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now uh, know uh, at least, I mean, now at, at <laughs> I can't read, I may now <laughs> at least succeed in coming to you. Uh, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So the news about the Roman church was spreading across the region. And Paul had, you know, he, he had a desire to come to the Roman uh, church at Rome just to sit with them, just to encourage them, just to pour into them as they pour into him and things of that sort. Um, but as we see throughout his journeys that he never made it to the church at Rome, even though he made it to the city of Rome, but he hit a lot of bumps and he was in jail and all that stuff, but he never made it to the, uh, the church at Rome. And so, um, and so, like I said, Paul, did not find the church at Rome. There are three theories of how the church started. First, they believe that the disciples who were at the day of Pentecost, who came from Rome um, down to Jerusalem, uh, they believe that those who witnessed the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and things of that sort uh, went back to Rome and started church. So they believe that disciples started the church. Um, second one is that, um, is that, is that Peter started the church at Rome? That's the second one. 
And the third theory is that Cornelius started the church at Rome because he was a uh, he was a Roman uh, Roman soldier, I believe. And uh, so he so they believe that he went back and begins to proclaim the gospel. So there are uh, there, people are not sure. Um, this author here in our book, I believe he's leaning towards um, the disciples finding um, the church. Um, and so, because uh, you see it in a, in a few other churches that apostles did not find churches. It, it's not, it's, it's so it, it was very common for disciples to find churches. The church at Antioch was not found by an apostle. Um, the church of Colossae was not found by an apostle. It was found by just regular, you know, disciples and things of that sort. And so um, when we're looking, does someone want to say something? Yeah, that theory about Peter, it made me think about something. The second one you said, is that why, I know when I do a lot of reading, they declare Peter to be the first bishop. Yes. That whole Roman Catholic church and all that is that where they come from yes that is exactly because uh, okay. <laughs> i can read that and i'm like okay that makes sense yeah yeah so that, um, that's a good point thank you so much for asking that question that clears yeah. up a lot yes yep the the catholic catholic church they believe that paul did find the church at rome and since so since the headquarters of catholicism is in rome they told they said that uh, paul is the bishop of Catholicism, he he's the bishop at Rome, you know, and things yeah. of that. So that's that's where it comes from. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Paul. So, Paul or Peter? What Peter. I said. Sorry. I've been talking about Paul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Peter. That Peter is the bishop uh, at Rome. So yes, Peter. 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 Okay. Um, what else I was gonna say? Oh yeah, so um, so to um, so we can't be too dogmatic. We can't, um, you know, we have to basically leave room for um, people's thoughts on how you know the Church of Rome is started because we're not really concrete. But um, I lean towards the one um, the disciples from the day of Pentecost um, found the church at Rome, just through, through, through my study and all that stuff, but um, someone else could have a different belief and that that's totally fine as well. I can't reject other beliefs and things of that sort because we don't know concrete. So um, one thing that is, is very, under, uh, very interesting to understand is how they found a church in the first place. Um, Paul, he went into a community of non-believers and started a church. Whereas, um, whereas here in, in the U.S., we don't start churches from a community of non-believers. We pull people, people are already believers. And so we come and organize a church. So when it comes to founding the church, according to scripture, it was a community of non-believers. And he's coming in to preach and he's converting these non-believers. And from that point there, they're able to start a church. Okay. So that's kind of the, the definition of how, how you find or found a church is that you're in, in the midst of community of non-believers in an area where the gospel has not been preached. And, um, and they, um, you can, you know, lead them to conversion and there you're able to start a local church. Okay. So that's kind of the definition of, of finding the church according to, to scripture. Um, let's go to the book real quick, real, real, real quick. I know I'm like over time or maybe I'll just 
finish. How about I finish Rome next week? Because I'm like, I'm over overtime now. And I know people are moving and trying to get ready for church. Um, so any questions or anything, things of that sort that I went over so far? Yo, next week, I would like for you to um, uh, to bring up or to hit more on because I think it's very important, especially to how the apostles today or whatever the, they're doing. Um, we talk about the uh, founding a church. This community uh, is a community of non-believers, meaning that to find a church is meaning these are people who is non-believers that oppose up getting a group of people together, organize a church based on believers. So, yeah. you know, having a, you know, I started a church, let's just use, I started a church in Cincinnati, but you know, those who came to whatever you call yourself starting with nothing but a group of believers just coming on, coming along to organize with you. Right, right. Totally different from what Paul was doing. <laughs> totally different so yeah that's definitely something to, to keep in mind and yeah i'll um we'll talk about that a little bit more um next week yep any other questions and things of that sort um uh, miss renee i got your message about your email uh my email's been going into people's spam box so definitely check your spam because my emails are probably sitting in there. So, uh, so yeah, I have your email. I, I went in and double check and it's the one that you um, sent me. So definitely check your spam box. And those who haven't been receiving my emails, check your spam box because they're probably sitting in there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, let's see here, make sure I take attendance and things of that sort. I think I got everybody who was online here. All right, so if we don't have any other questions or concern, I will go ahead and pray and pray out here. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, uh, for your word, oh God, and that we're able to unpack it and we're able to understand the mind of Christ and we're able to understand your apostles that you sent to um, spread the gospel and your disciples, you use the disciples as well um, to spread the gospel. And so God, we love you. We thank you, oh God, that we're getting the understanding of your word um, mm -hmm. and all of our getting, we should be able to get understanding father. And that, uh, and then from there, we're able to apply it to our lives, father. So I pray for everybody's um, study habits and that we're continuing to, to lean and depend on your word and lean, depend on you, father. Um, God, so we um, lift you up and we bless you. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good day. I will see you all later. Good class. Good God, class. Thank you. Guys, love you. See you soon. Amen. Everybody have a great week. You too. You too.